Welcome back, Grizz Nation, to another episode of The Long View. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and before we get into our big board podcast, I kind of just wanted to air out some thoughts on the long-term picture of the trade the Grizzlies made on Monday with the New Orleans Pelicans. Unless you live under a rock, you probably saw that the Grizzlies traded away. Jonas Valanciunas, the 17th pick and the 51st pick to New Orleans for Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, the 10th pick, the 40th pick, and a 2022 top 10 protected pick from the Los Angeles Lakers. And look, I understand. Losing Jonas Valanciunas stings. He was the Grizzlies' most consistently good player any given night. You can always count on him for a double-double any given night. If there was a night where John Morant was struggling or Dylan Brooks was struggling, Jonas Valanciunas was there to pick up the team and and help carry them to a win any given night. He's that kind of player. But while there's that flip side to it, his defensive woes were showed in the playoffs. The Utah Jazz put him in the pick and roll behind the, the screenplay of Rudy Gobert. They tested that drop coverage, and they just decided to unload the clip from three. And you know... You kind of got to look in the mirror when Jonas Valanciunas is entering this contract year. You've already built up this great value for him. You got to ask, how does Jonas Valanciunas fit into the long-term picture? Because here's the thing. While he has this awesome productivity consistently throughout this regular season and even in the playoffs at moments, there are those defensive woes that could be backbreakers for your team in a playoff series. I mean, they exposed the drop coverage and his inability to defend in space. And do you want to shell out $15, $20 million of long-term money towards a player that you can't play in the final four or five minutes of a playoff game? I'm not too sure. And in addition, another long-term possibility for the Grizzlies is building around Jaron Jackson Jr. being your five. And you're not accomplishing that with Jonas Valanciunas in the in the fold. And you still got to test and see, how does Jaron Jackson Jr. fit alongside J- Brandon Clark or Kyle Anderson or Xavier Tillman or maybe a guy that the Grizzlies draft in this year's draft or down the road? It's very legitimate questions. And, you know, the Grizzlies got to a point where they knew what Valanciunas was. They had his value at its peak. And while they took on the money of Adams and Bledsoe, now I'll get to those players in a bit. This trade was about the future and about the Grizzlies aiming themselves to go big game hunting, whether it's in the draft or down the road for a big time trade. And before I get more into that with Bledsoe, he's not coming to Memphis. He's more likely going to be a salary matcher in either a consolidation trade or something similar to what you saw with the Chandler Parsons trade where... Some team will take on his contract, 
but you're going to have to take back two players. I I would watch for something like that. I mean, he's with Clutch. He's friends with LeBron. They need a point guard. They're, they're, they have a lot of guys open for trade right now. Just got to put two and two together there. Uh, Steven Adams. The thing with him, he's, he's going to do a lot of that stuff that you asked Jonas Valanciunas to do while you're building with John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. You're going to ask him to set hard screens for John Morant to get inside and work that drive game, uh, get inside, create open looks for himself or create open looks for others. He's going to rebound, and he's going to help kind of be another bridge for another year before Jaron Jackson Jr. is ready for full-time minutes at the five. And, you know, Steven Adams, he's not a bad player either. Honestly, if you took a little bit of Jonas Valanciunas' offense and put it into defense, you probably get Steven Adams. And I think he could be a very fun player for the Memphis Grizzlies and a guy that kind of rejuvenates himself after kind of a loss here in New Orleans. So I'm excited to see where that goes. I mean, granted, there's a possibility that he's not even here on opening night. And, you know, this front office, they love doing the unthinkable. But... I could definitely see Steven Adams being the starting center of OB night and becoming a fan favorite in no time. But the real thing here is the draft assets. And I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, if you have a chance, even if it's flipping draft picks of turning Jonas Valanciunas into a top 10 pick into a good draft, you got to do it. And with this draft in particular, the Grizzlies position some position themselves now to go get a top 10 talent and potentially trading up to go get a guy that's higher on the board and any of the players that are rumored right now could be starters down the road on the next iteration of contending Grizzlies teams you can't say the same of that with the 17th pick whether it's Franz Wander, Moses Moody Josh Giddy, or a trade up for Jonathan Kaminga or James Booknight any of those three players could be starters on the next iteration of contending Grizzlies teams. And you can even make a case for guys like Moody or Giddy or Kaminga or Booknight being co-stars alongside John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. and really be a core next to those guys as well. They, they position themselves well. Better position than they would be long-term going into draft night otherwise. And so it's going to be interesting where they can go from here. Do they want to go with a guy like Moody or Vonder, who projects it's safe, but could still be a very, very good 3 and D player at the next level? I mean, I, I'm very high on Moody. I think he could be the so he could be either Mikael Bridges, Chris Middleton, or somewhere in between. And I love that about his game. They can go with Josh Giddy, who I think is the, one of the bigger upside swings of that trade. I mean, six nine playmakers with his vision and ball handling and passing skills, they don't grow on trees. And he's only 19 years old. He accomplishes my vision of having a backup point guard that can also play alongside John Morant. He would be a fun pick. I mean, Jonathan Kaminga and James Booknight, I don't want to go too deep into those guys because I don't know how realistic the trade uh, possibility is. Definitely not for Booknight, but I mean, Kaminga, I know you could stat look and see his shooting percentages, but small sample size, and he has the tools to be one of the best players in this draft class. He could be a guy similar to like Jalen Brown or Danny Granger, or even like a Lou Al Deng, or he may, like 
he could not pan out. It's possible. I mean, we talk about that in the in the big board pod over here in a minute. And but the Grizzlies they're swinging for the fences with it. We we had asked the Grizzlies to make an upside swing in this draft, and this is what they're doing right now. Before we get into the big board pod, let me talk about the 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 additional assets here. For one with forty, real quick. The 40th pick is nice, but they can also trade up into the late first to go get a guy that they really like. Some rumored names that they've worked out that could be targets. Obviously, Josh Christopher. I would love that. Jaden Springer. JT Thor. Or Quentin Grimes. Maybe even Friends Blindberg. Any of those guys can go get some good, good developmental reps with the Memphis Hustle while the Grizzlies kind of figure out this roster um, consolidation-wise and such. And really just build confidence to get their games going so that they're ready to go whenever their time's ready for the main roster. And finally, with that 2022 pick, let's be honest. It's going to go to the Grizzlies because the Lakers won't get a top 10 pick next year. And the Grizzlies are also not going to pick three times in the 2022 draft. So this is just an additional asset to go big game hunting. You have three valuable first round picks that do not belong to you. The 2022 Utah Jazz pick, more than likely, conveying then the 2022 Laker pick and the 2024 Warriors pick. You put some of that with some of the really good role players that you got, and you can legitimately position yourself to go get a star. And this is not a position the Grizzlies have ever been in. And this front office is aggressive enough to go make a move of that caliber. And... I mean, when you already got John Morant in the fold, Jaron Jackson Jr. in the fold, and just this gluttony of really good complimentary role players, you can't help but smile at how bright this future is. I know this trade stings in the short term because of how impactful Jonas Valanciunas is, but you got to look at the big picture in this. There are brighter days ahead. The Grizzlies are up to something. This front office is up to something. And it's just going to be really exciting. And I'm excited for how it's all going to unfold. But you know what? Enough of me. Enough of me in this spiel, this rant on the Jonas Valanciunas draft night trade. Let's get into the Consensus Big Board Podcast. Welcome to the Grizzly Bear Blues Consensus Big Board Podcast. If you haven't been following along on grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter, we had 10 of our writers, including myself, put together their top 60 big boards. I did all this Google Sheets, Microsoft Excel stuff, a bunch of nerdy formulas and stuff to come up with a consensus big board of all the very diverse minds that we have over at GBB. And as I am recording this, we just have the top 20 left. So make sure you are tuning in, seeing who the Grizzlies can target in the NBA draft, whether it's with the 10th pick or the 40th pick or a trade of, of somehow. But let me introduce to y'all a few of our participants, three of our amazing staff writers. You know, they, they're kind of the ones that they just come in. They, they do what they want to do. They write what they want to write about. And just the fact that they did the big board to help me out, it just really means a lot. So I'm going to introduce them. First, we got none other than Drogic Kingdom, Lauren Harvey. Lauren, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Parker. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. We also got uh, Mr. Celtics blog himself over here, Jesse Sinquini. Jesse, how are you? I'm doing well, Parker. Thank you for having me. 
No problem. Last but certainly not least, making his, I think this is his Grizzly Bear Blues podcast debut, none other than Ed Memphis. Ed, what's up, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is correct. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ain't nothing like the first, baby. Let's see what we're going to do. Absolutely. And so before we really get going into the consensus big board, I, I had previously mentioned in like a monologue kind of deal before the show, before we're recording this podcast. And I want to get y'all's thoughts as well. We'll, we'll start over with Ed. Uh, the, the Grizzlies traded Jonas Valanciunas, 17th pick, 51st pick, and they acquired Bledsoe, Stephen Adams, the 10th pick, the 40th pick, and a Lakers first-round pick. Ed, what were what are your initial thoughts on the trade, or even just what are your thoughts now? Just being able to sit on it after a day. How do you how do you feel like the Grizzlies came out in this deal? I mean, I, I think the Grizzlies. I think both teams won. Uh, but I think the Grizzlies won huge with this one, man. I mean, shoot. I mean, the fact that – because I was one of those people that wanted to – I didn't think the Grizzlies were going to be bold enough to move on Jonas, to, you mm-hmm. know, with the contract situation. I thought they were going to even possibly extend them. And, you know, Jonas is arguably our best player this year, just to be honest with you. So, I mean, which is obvious and not saying anything that's foreign. But at the same time, I mean, you know, we all kind of got the idea as far as long-term with Jonas. Uh, but so I didn't think they were going to make their move that fast. So for them to do that, I was like, hell yeah, I'm with it. Let's do it. You know, so when they made that move, I was ecstatic. And then the value, then they moved up in the draft. I mean, you know, a lot of people were like, well, you you don't get, um, you know, you don't you lose the post score. You you get the guy that average like five or six points a game. Yeah, but really don't necessarily need that post score when you got as many guys that like to slash and cut to the basket as our mm-hmm. wings like to do with Dylan and John. You know, guys that like to get it in at the rim. So you don't really necessarily need that. And then analytically speaking, from a metric standpoint, the Grizzlies were a little better with Jonas off the court last year at times than with him on the court. So even from that perspective, you know, you were able to uh, make some addition by subtraction in a sense. So, and then as far as, I, mean, I don't know if I'm going too far, you let me know, but um, there are guys that are going to be around 40. If, you know, people are worried that Steven Adams is our only defensive presence, you know, outside of Xavier Tillman, that we might going to be in trouble. But you got to keep in mind, this draft has a lot of defensive talent. There's a lot of length in this draft. So there's a good chance of us securing somebody. A, a, a day run shark could be available second around 40. And that's, that's a pretty – high potential guy that's a guy that could really be a lottery pick in other drafts i don't care what nobody say based off of the versatility versus the table so yeah i was the deal was a great deal value wise long term it allowed the uh the grizzlies long term i mean they sacrificed it now a little bit potentially but they got they, they got the swing at a higher potential pick at 10 and then also they're they're swinging at someone that can set them up for a bigger ceiling in the future mm-hmm. versus worrying about something, you know competing and staying in the, the playoffs around seven to eight rounds. So, yeah. Absolutely, Lauren. I'm going to move it over to you. What were your thoughts on the trade? Yeah, I mean, my first thoughts were, um, uh, you know, in terms of whether the Grizzlies were going to move up or move move down. It was it made sense that they were going to move up, um, and I did not expect it to be Jonas. Um, I did not expect him to be the guy. Um, just because he has been 
probably the primary reason why the Grizzlies have um, exceeded expectations the past two seasons. Um, he was their best player last season. Um, but when you think about how uh, the front office is looking at it and the assets they got for it, they now have, I believe it's six first rounders um, in the next three years to work with, to do something. Um, and so they're taking the long view. Um, and, you know, this is a very deep draft. And the reality is there's a big difference between 10 or 17, or even if they're going to move up further, you know, that's, that's big speculation that they are going to move up even further from 10 potentially. And when you look at the contracts they took in, um, it seems there's definitely something more there. That's not just money you take on for to take it on. It seems like that's something to make a trade or do something else with. Um, but, you know, Jonas is a huge loss. I mean, just in terms of production, the one thing, you know, uh, it, they're saying that Bledsoe is probably not going to stick around. Um, uh, but if they keep Steven Adams, obviously he's not going to be the producer that, um, you know, Jonas is, but, if he can set screens, that was the big thing. Um, when Jonas was out, Ja, you know, struggled because, you know, he didn't have those hard screens set for him. So if Steven Adams can just replicate that, he doesn't have to, you know, he's never going to be a, a double-double guy. But if he can just set those hard screens then and elevate Jaw the same way that Jonas did, then, um, you know, it might be that huge of a loss. But um, regardless, I mean, Jonas is a big loss. He's um, such a productive player and on and off the court, just, um, you know, somebody that the fans love that wherever he goes, you know, the fan base just loves Jonas. So, um, but, you know, we'll see it's, it's, you know, it definitely raised their ceiling in the future. Um, mm. so we'll see what they do. Absolutely. You know, Jesse, I'm interested to hear your thoughts because I mean, you cover the Celtics, you cover the Knicks and you cover the Grizzlies. So you offer like a pretty interesting perspective kind of like an outsider-ish uh, perspective. What were your thoughts on the trade? Well, I think Memphis took a small step back to take a big step going forward. Um, Joan, obviously losing Jonas is going to hurt. Um, Joe Molinax loved to call him a safety blanket, and I think that's true in a lot of cases. Um, the Grizzlies could just throw the ball to him down low and he could get you a bucket, and with without him – they're not going to have a guy like that. Steven Adams isn't a guy like that, but this draft is deep. And at number 10, the Grizzlies could get a top-tier wing. Um, James Bonite out of UConn really catches my eye. Um, mm -hmm. Having a, him and Ja backcourt, I think that would be deadly. Um, and it, I think it could have the potential to be one of the better backcourts in the league. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, I think you can really, at this point, you're at 10. You could talk yourself into any of them. And there's really five targets out there that could end up being Grizzlies on draft night. Uh, James Booknight, as you had mentioned, Jesse. There's also Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, Josh Giddy, Franz Wagner. You can really talk yourself into any of those guys. And you've already seen your cases for those guys all over Twitter or in our GBB uh, profiles as well. But I also kind of want to give a little bit of a devil's advocate side to this, not in a way of like saying, oh, they should stay away from these guys because doing what they did and putting themselves in the range to get any of the, those guys, when really, if you're looking at 17, you could try really hard, but you weren't getting a potential starter down the road. More than likely, you would have had to have a 
a pretty solid bit of luck to do that. Now they're in that spot, but I do kind of want to give a little devil's advocacy here. And, and I'm going to start with my, my biggest target in here. And that's Moses Moody. I, I about threw my computer when Jesse sent me his big board and had Moses Moody at 17 that I was, man, I, I was about to, I was about to throw my laptop. I was about to curse on Brad Stevens's name. I was upset, but Jesse, I'll let you present your case. That's why I brought you on the show. Okay. So first of all, I think Moody has a high floor. I think he's he'll almost absolutely be a very good role player. Um, I love his defense and his, his energy, and he's a very good spot-up shooter. But I just think, to me, he lacks star ceiling. Um, he, he was primarily an off-ball threat offensively, um, and he's not a super explosive guy. Um, his shot-creating ability mean, needs a lot of work. Um, I'm kind of skeptical that he, he needs to have great players – scorers and playmakers around him to really reach his ceiling just because he he's not awesome at creating for himself um not to mention he was a not the greatest finisher at the rim he only shot 52 percent at the rim um might be a little nitpicky but he needs to improve on that when he gets to the league um and i think his offensive game needs some tinkering mm-hmm <clears throat> Oh, I understand all, all valid concerns on your end. I totally understand. I just I just hate that it was moody. But, you know, I'm going to move on to Ed. Ed, you, you had Franz Wagner pretty low. And, you know, I think out of all of those, I mean, granted, it's rumored the Grizzlies have Wagner as a guy that's one of their favorites. But we've already seen them link to Sacramento a lot. So he's looking like the pick there. He probably won't be there at 10. But nonetheless, if the Grizzlies try to make some sort of move for Vaughn Vaughn, like what, what are some reasons that you're like kind of low on him? I mean, once I mean, I can. There's, there. I'm, I'm pretty sure there are at least three or four guys that are that are that, that are later in the draft that can give you uh, the concept of friends of Franz Wagner. I mean. That's one of my issues with it. I mean, you're drafting a, a guy that you know is a role player, especially at number 10. Are you kidding me? So why, why the hell am I going to draft a role player at number 10 if I'm not a contender right away? That's my thing. You know, just me. So, uh, hell no. Nah. No, nah, not for a partner. Um, I mean, and the ceiling, I mean, with that, I mean, you might, if you're in the top 10, man, you want to swing for potential. I mean, especially in the position the Grizzlies are, you just, you just gave up your starting center. So you already know there's a chance you're going to take a step back. So why would you do that just to draft a role player at number 10? Hell, I mean, and, and, and then you could have just stayed at 17 to do that. And not even that, you can trade, you can get, you can get a front Wagner type of player in Fordham in this draft. I'm pretty sure, it's, especially as loaded as this draft is with wings, you can get a Franz Wagner concept at four. So, nah. I I understand. I understand. Honestly, I think – was that? I was a great player, though, as far as uh, a college player. He's, you know, I mean, he, I mean he's Kyle Anderson. You know, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, he's Kyle Anderson. I mean, so you want to draft that at number 10, 
you know, hey, more power to you, but don't be surprised if you don't get fired in the next two, three years. <laughs> you know, I I uh I want to have Vonner, like the highest of those. You know, I think I kind of have him and Giddy like kind of interchangeable for that last spot. But I mean, I understand those concerns, you know. I mean, this is gonna be probably the highest draft pick they have in the jar Jaron era, unless something catastrophic happens. Like this is going to be the highest pick. I understand you kind of want to swing a little bit because this is that one shot that you get. So, I mean, that and Bonner projects more as that, that safe guy. Um, he, no, nonetheless, he, he may end up being really good, may end up being a role player, but is he going to be that a guy that helps you get over the hump? Like what you kind of mentioned, that's a good question. And I want to swing it over to you, Lauren. Because this is the a name that came up yesterday as we're recording this podcast, and really one of the more interesting names in the top ten, and that's Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, you you weren't even like super low on him. It was like still top ten. Like you you weren't out completely on him, but you know he's kind of consensus ish top five, top six. So I mean, I just want to hear your thoughts. I mean, it's not necessarily low, but still kind of want to hear why you have him a little lower than the consensus. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was honestly uh, more about the guys ahead of um, Kaminga than him Kaminga himself. Um, my main thing is the feel for the game. Um, there were so many um, instances we're just watching clips of him where he would get the ball. He would either get pressured and just completely panic. Um, there were times when he got the ball uh, and there were wide open teammates. I just should have made the right pass and just didn't do it. So um, the feel for the game to me is the biggest thing. And I, and I felt like every prospect I put ahead of him had had a safer floor, I guess, with mm-hmm. with the upside of being a star. So um, certainly the talent is there. I mean, it would not shock me if he is a top three uh, player in this draft. But um, that is that is what really kind of just made me put some other players ahead of him. Um and the shooting, I mean, he likes to take them for sure, and he's fine taking them, but shot 62% from the free throw line, didn't shoot great from three. So, I mean, that's just another thing when you add on top of his feel for the game that just kind of – there were just other guys I liked a lot better. No, I understand that. And, you know, with, with Kaminga, it's really – it's kind of like what Ed was alluding to, you know, betting on that upside – like Kamingo could be realistically a guy that's that number three. Uh, Brandon Abraham, our, our G League expert, he talks about Kamingo where it's like, oh, he could be Jalen Brown, but also like he could be like a Danny Granger or a Luau Deng. Still good player, like still all-star players. Uh, but it's that Jalen Brown upside where you're like, oof, this is like having that guy next to John Jaron on rookie contract for four years. That, that's enticing, especially when you're going towards the long view, the long-term sustainable success. Uh, for me, I guess in that five, I was the lowest on Giddy. But, I mean, I, I would admit, uh, I think my nine through 13 are really interchangeable. I had Kai Jones, Alfred Singun, uh, Corey Kispert, Franz Wagner, and Josh Giddy. I probably have a – it's razors in the difference between those prospects. Uh, when it comes to ranking them. But Giddy, I'm just really concerned of how he's going to fit unless he's unless he's the point guard. Like, I, I'm just concerned about that. You know, how is he going to transition to a three when his shot's kind of shaky? How is he going to defend threes or ones at the next level? Because I mean, he's not the best perimeter defender. And also, too, if he's defending, like, twos, threes, and fours, he, he may have a little uh, strength 
disadvantage there as well. He's a guy I'd bet on, though, because he does have really good upside. I mean, six, nine guys with his feel for the game and his passing instinct, they don't grow on trees. Like, he he's a hooper. I think out of all of them, though, I think he has the lowest floor of those guys. But, I mean, I think his ceiling's right up there with some of the guys that people talk about at that, like, top five, top six. So I'd be very interested to see where they go. Nonetheless, even – with the concerns that y'all mentioned or the praise that's been mentioned on Twitter or on articles, scouting reports, whatever. The Grizzlies are in a good spot where I think they, they are going to do really well getting any, any of those guys. And like, I have faith in coach Jenkins' system to develop those guys, to be close-ish to the potential that they could be. And I, I'm just excited to be in the position for a top 10 pick. But we'll move on to the next part of the board with the 40th pick. And, you know, you can have this guy, someone who could be around at 40 or a guy that, let's say they trade up. Let's say they trade 40 in a player or 40 in a few seconds and go into the late part of the first round or early second. Which player that you're high on? Real, do you want them to realistic target with a second pick of the night? And I'm going to start here with Lauren. Who would you want um, to go after? Yeah, there's a couple different different directions they can go. Um, you know, this would probably be a realistic, um, uh, you know, they'd probably have to trade up to get this guy. So he's probably not going to be there at 40. But Quentin Grimes, I like um, for his uh, shooting. I mean, not just that he shot 40%. It was on eight attempts. So to me, that tells me that's not fluky at all. Um, you know, he's, his stock has risen, so they likely will need to trade up to get him. Um, but his final four run, um, you know, just kind of everything, the intangibles about him. I just, I just feel like there's no way he doesn't have, you know, a 10 to 15 career year in the NBA. And when you're picking in that range, that's what you're looking for. There are certainly going to be some, uh, guys in the second round that, for whatever reason, are in the second round, but they might have high upside. But in that range, I think you got to go for the guy that you say, hey, I know that at the very least, they're probably going to be a rotation player. Um, and so he's probably my favorite. Uh, again, probably a trade-up target realistically, but um, I, I think the Grizzlies could make that, – that to me is like, you know, a Desmond Bain type uh, draft night mm -hmm. field to try to get a guy like that. Absolutely. Jesse, I'm going to move it over to you. If the Grizzlies were to either pick at 40 or trade up into like the late first, early second, who would you like to see them realistically target? Oh, so if they moved up to the late first, I'd love to see them get someone someone like Zaire Williams. Um, I think he'd be the perfect gamble. He underperformed in college, but his shot creating and ball handling ability at 6'8 just catches my eye. And um it just shouldn't be ignored. His players with his size and skill don't come around that often. Um, even if the Grizzlies do pick a wing at number 10, I think it would make a lot of sense to pick him too. Just even mm -hmm. they could even send him to uh, the Memphis hustle for a year to hone his all around game. But I think he has all-star potential if, if all goes right. And I think he's a worthwhile pick at, at the late first round and, about as good as about as good a prospect you'll find. Absolutely. Ed, what about yourself? What do you think over here? Oh, 
man, you know, it's, it's, I mean, that's, I mean, of course you're gonna, you know, in, if it's me, I'm gonna always approach BPA as something you consider um, best player available. So that's one thing I'm thinking, because I mean, of course, if somebody falls to that spot, you gotta take them if it's a great value play, right? But uh, Zaire, is, that's an interesting one at 40, because considering the fact he was a top ranked player in high school, coming out of high school, he was a five-star recruit. Uh, I'm a little skeptical of Zaire, but um, I'm looking at the fact that Cameron Thomas is, uh, is a possibility in that 40 range. I mean, if he's at 40, I mean, you literally run to you push Adam Silver or whoever was second round. I mean, uh, you, you push that pick to make sure it's done as soon as possible. Oh, yeah. And then um, the guy that I'm thinking of, honestly, um, I'm thinking of, I'm hoping that a day run sharp is there again. I'm going to that type. I'm hoping that because if you're, if you're going to go wing at 10, um, you definitely hope that there's a big that's around that you can develop at the five and for the future. So I'm thinking, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely hoping that at least a day runs around or Philippe or, uh, you know, one of the big guys, and, you know, it can be Nemeus and Kita is another guy that, that mm -hmm. falls to 40. I'm strongly considering that at 40. So definitely if I'm, if I grab a wing at 10, I'm hoping that there's a, a high value play big man that I can potentially develop for the five. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No. And you can even have, so I know Jonte Porter's deal is non-guaranteed so they can waive him, put sharp, someone like sharp in the uh, Jonte spot where you basically send them down to the hustle. You let Jenkins and Kleiman figure out the uh, Tillman and Clark dynamic for another year. And you just develop, develop, develop down in the hustle. You put them in reps where, you know, he's posting up, he's rolling, he's popping, he's spotting up. Just put them in different situations of actions that Jenkins likes to put his big men in. I think that'd be a very good pick. I mean, at 40, if they go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I, I wanted to say um, it's, it's a conversation for a different uh, podcast, maybe, but just on that, I I would be more, you know, gun ho so to speak, to try to, you know, get rid of some of the – I would try to liquidate some of the players that I already got on the roster, like the uh, – I try to figure out what we're going to do with, with Clarks before I'm so quick. Me, I'm just kind of high on Porter. I was high on Porter coming out of high school. Mm -hmm. So I just – I'm a little slow just to let him go. I would bring in a shark, but I would bring in a shark and try to see if I can get a trade or something for a, a you know, potentially a, a Clark or somebody maybe to punt that as a future pick or something down the road. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. Sure. You know. yeah. yeah. I mean, there's there's always so many possibilities. Um, if I mean if they pick at 40, I'm gonna give one like a one trade up, 140. Uh, at 40, I would love to swing for the fences with BJ Boston. Just let him develop in the hustle. Let him regain his confidence. Just keep him down in the hustle. See a little. That is a swing for the fences at forty. Probably the biggest swing for the fences at forty you can get. Uh, if they trade it up, obviously everybody and their mother knows that I like Josh Christopher as a Memphis Grizzly prospect. He would be an awesome fit here. But I want to throw an interesting one just because Tyus Tyus Jones' name was thrown out in trade rumors. I mean, if you pair Tyus and forty send him to the Clippers for the 25th pick and go get somebody like Jaden Springer or Jared Butler. 
I think that's a good, interesting play right there too. I mean, there's just so many options, but I mean, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards them trading up from 40 and maybe going back into the first round or the early second. But I, I think any of those players that y'all mentioned would be very, very fun targets to go after with the 40th pick or even in a trade-up with as a second draft pick of the night for the Grizzlies. And we're going to close the show, though, with this question. It's a long-view question. I, I We basically – I'm going to throw a curveball. I lied. I'm going to throw one more curveball at y'all. And we are going to ask a long-view question. I'm going to do an over-under at 50%. So I'll start with you, Jesse. As the roster stands right now, over or under 50% of those players are on this roster by the end of the 2021-2022 season? Um, I'm going to say over, but it could be close. I think the Grizzlies like their core, and while they did trade Valanciunas, I think we all realized that he wasn't really going to be here long term. Um. I don't think the Grizzlies have made any moves that have indicated that they will trade any of their core. So I think it's safe to say the Grizzlies will, will look pretty similar next by the end of next season. Sounds good. Yep. All right. What about you, Ed? How do you see it? Over or under 50% will be on the roster by the end of the 2021-2022 season. Uh. The fact I'm gonna say this first. <laughs> the fact that that's even a question, a possibility—that's a great. We, we have a great time to be Grizzly fans, right? We got to consider the fact we came from an era where, you know, they were backing out of second round pick deals. So, you know, just to 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 have a situation where the GM, where we know the front office is dead, could dead ass possibly flip half of the roster. That that's an awesome time for me anyway. But uh, I'll just say I would say I would take the under on that. I mean the uh, the over. Um, I, I'll take the over. I mean fifty percent is a lot for a team that made the playoffs. So, um, but I mean if they do, I'm all for it. I mean because there's a lot of uh, assets that need to be liquidated or consolidated or something before you start losing. So mm-hmm. and I wrote about that in the article on GBB recently. But, um, yeah, that's something you definitely got to consider. So you got to cash in on some assets. If you got to punt them, you know, liquidate them, whatever you got to do. But we got a lot of guys that are going to walk for nothing next year if you don't liquidate, which is another reason why I wouldn't be so quick to get rid of Porter. I mean, um, yeah, Jonte Porter, before having to make a decision on Brandon Clark anyway come next year, we haven't already went that route. So, yeah. All right. I feel that. Lauren, over to you. Over under 50% will be on the roster by the end of the 2021-2022 season. I'm going to go over, but it's not it's not a, a huge over. I mean, I think definitely between any kind of, uh, uh, like we discussed, potentially moving up on draft night, which the Grizzlies front office loves to do lately, um, between that, between just the absolute logjam at the guard position, um, and if they do want to move up, I mean, we're talking about you can move up from in the 40 spot, but if they really are serious about moving up from the 10 spot, they're going to have to, to send a, you know, a few role players out, but even, even considering all that, I do feel like this front office, um, 
will have enough of that core in place and, and the core is young enough that they have identified the players that they feel like will be part of the next, um, you know, uh, Grizzlies, great Grizzlies team. And so I don't feel like they are going to gut all of that enough to wear 50% of the roster by the time next season is over. Um, even if they are going to make moves, I feel like they will definitely, but mm-hmm. um, I just don't feel that um, it will be to that level. And I feel like they, they know the chemistry um, of this team. Like I know they're um, in a heavy analytics group, but um, I do think there's something to the fact that like this group seemed really tight and seems really tight. And um, there are consequences to, if you're going to gut a whole roster, um, you know, these are players, uh, they're, they're, they're people. Um, I know we like to do mock trades and all that and stuff, but um, I do think there's something to the fact that all these guys like each other and it, it might sound corny, uh, but I think that's a little bit of an underrated uh, thing. And so I think if the front office was smart, um, they try to keep as much of this group together as they can. But, you know, if opportunities come along, obviously don't let that stop you. I'm not saying that, but um, I definitely think that that's an underrated factor. I feel that. I want to go over, but I want to put like over with a like with a push. I, get, I think that's what they call it. And I don't I don't gamble or anything. But I would say I would maybe switch my answer to under depending on when the next superstar trade domino falls. If that falls, I think it's a very interesting under. But nonetheless, this is an exciting time to be a Grizzlies fan. You know, two years into a rebuild, they're in the playoffs and they're also picking in the top 10. They have assets to legitimately go out and go get a star. They already got a homegrown superstar already in John Morant. And they got a fun team. They play a fun style of play. They they got just the game that's just fit for the modern NBA. They have a bunch, like what Lauren was saying, they just got a bunch of likable guys that they're easy to root for. You can tell they play for each other. They're young, the youngest team in the league. Man, it's just so much fun. But, you know, you three, I'm really – appreciative of y'all three taking the time out of y'all's nights to hop on this podcast, taking the time over the past couple of weeks of helping me with this big board. I really appreciate it. Y'all, y'all are rock stars for sure. And uh, before we go, I'll let y'all plug in anything y'all want to plug in. I'm going to start with Ed. Ed, you got anything you want to plug in before we uh, sign off here? Oh yeah, man. You know, keep checking out GBB and uh, you can go stream in Memphis on all your platforms. You know, of course you can definitely do that. So uh, other than that, stream in Memphis, man. We we gonna keep it pushing. Go check out GBB's latest content and everything else we have to offer. Oh no, yeah, y'all need to go stream Ed Memphis. I mean, not gonna lie, Ed. I I listened to it before uh, one of my men's league basketball games uh, the other day. It really got me hyped and focused. So. Y'all, yeah, y'all need to go stream at Memphis. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yes, sir. What about you, Jesse? Um, so you guys can follow me on Twitter at Sinquini Jesse. Um, and you for all Celtics content, you guys should go to Celticsblog.com and obviously read GBB. But if you want to know more about the Knicks as well, you should check out the Knicksball.com. Absolutely. Yeah, y'all, I mean, Celtics blog, another family blog over at SBN Nation. And, I mean, they have all sarcastic people, and Jesse's just one of them, just a rising star up in here. 
And then Lauren, last but not least, what about yourself? Plug in anything you want to plug in. Uh, uh, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Dragic Kingdom. Um, and uh, just plugging GBB as a whole. Um, it is really the best Grizzlies content site out there. Um, and I felt that way before I became a writer on there. Um, it's the most comprehensive coverage of the team, I think, anywhere. Um, you know, I, and just the writers there, I'm such a fan of. Um, so it's read, read GBB for sure. Absolutely. You know, if I had a soundboard right there, I would, after you said uh, Grizzly Bear Blues is the one of the best places to go for Grizzly's content, I would have had the, the John Morant, you hear me on there, ready to fire. But you know what? I don't, I don't have those kind of funds or anything to get a soundboard for this. But, you know, you can follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Make sure you're reading all of our tremendous work over at grizzlybearblues.com. We have really just dove into this draft. And guess what? It's almost over. And it's going to be an exciting draft. And make sure you're liking, subscribing, downloading, writing reviews for the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. For every single episode of GBB Live, the Long View, the Core 4 Podcast, the 3&D Podcast, and the Starting 5 Podcast. With that, that's it. 